Welcome back. In this podcast, we'll look at the segment of the Lord's Prayer regarding forgiving our debts. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but asking the Father to forgive our debts may seem like a curious thing to ask for. I mean, clearly the Lord is not talking about financial debts, but of forgiving our sins. But weren't our sins, the past, the present, and the future, forgiven when we were saved? Why then is it necessary for us to ask that he continue to forgive our sins? But if we think about it a little bit, I think we will see that it makes sense that we need to ask for our sins to be forgiven on a regular basis. We know that there is a day coming when God will examine the lives of all people and will judge their actions. It is a day that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 2. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. To the people who have consistently done what is right, God will give reward. But to the people who have done what is wrong and evil, God will pour out wrath and anguish upon them. This day is called the Day of Judgment, and it comes at the end of time. Those who are condemned under this judgment will be sent to the lake of fire. So this is a judgment that should deeply concern each one of us. Because which of us can look in the mirror and honestly say, I have consistently done what is right and good. It's one thing to do something that's good and right every once in a while. It's another thing to consistently do what's good and right. It seems that instead of consistently doing what's right, there are many times in our lives where we deeply regret the things that we have done because they were so wrong. It's these wrong things these sins that will show up on our record when we are evaluated in that final day of judgment. But thankfully, God has declared that through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, all these evil things can be expunged from our record. Thus, those whose records are cleared will have nothing to fear in that day of judgment, because they will have no evil on their record to be judged. Their sins will have been forgiven. Now this forgiveness with regards to the day of judgment happens once a person is saved. It only happens once because it encompasses all of our sins and has no need to be repeated. So it isn't this forgiveness that the Lord was talking about when he told his disciples to pray that their sins would be forgiven because that forgiveness was already done. 
But there is another area of forgiveness that John speaks of in his first epistle. It has to do with our relationship and fellowship with God in our Christian life. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, fellowship with God is not an automatic thing. To have fellowship with God, one must be walking in the light because God is light. Now, fellowship with God means living life's experiences with God. John is telling us that we cannot live our life near God if we are walking in darkness. Now, to walk in darkness means keeping parts of our life hidden and concealed. John is telling us that living life near God means being open before God about all parts of our life. Keeping areas of our life hidden will create a distance between us and God. Now, one of the difficulties of having an open life before God is that there are things that we do which we know God does not approve of. So how can we live close to God if there are things in our life which God does not approve of? But John tells us that if we walk in the light, that is, if we are open about these things before God, we will be close to God because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, yes, there are things we are ashamed of. And yes, these are things that God does not approve of. But finding out that the blood of the Lord Jesus cleanses us from even those sins brings us close to God. So John tells us that the secret to walking close to God is not explaining away our sin, but confessing it openly before God. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John assures us that if we confess our sin, God absolutely will forgive our sin and draw us close to himself. Now sometimes we think that when we mess up, God wants to see some sort of penance or intense grief or sorrow for our sin before he will forgive us. But this is not the case. Remember what John said in his epistle. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't tell us that we need to first feel sorry for a sin, does he? He tells us that we need to confess our sin. This means that we need to openly acknowledge before God that what we did was wrong. If we acknowledge that our action was wrong, then God will forgive. You see, the reality is that God has prepared everything that is needed for forgiveness. The Lord's death on the cross means that once we confess, God can readily grant forgiveness. Now this forgiveness in John's epistle is not with regards to the day of judgment, but it has to do with being near to God. If a Christian decides to live in sin, they will find out there is a distance between them and God. In order for their relationship with God to be restored, they need forgiveness on the relational level. So this forgiveness that the Lord told his disciples to ask for is not the forgiveness with regards to the day of judgment, but has to do with being near to God. Now, if a Christian decides to live in sin, they will find out there is a distance between them and God. And in order for their relationship to be restored, they need forgiveness on the relational level, that same level that John was talking about in his epistle. But even so, 
The Lord wasn't telling his disciples to ask for forgiveness whenever they happened to sin. He is telling them to pray on a regular basis that God would forgive their sin. Now, if we think back on the earlier segments of the Lord's Prayer, it will become pretty clear why they needed to ask for forgiveness on a regular basis. Remember, the Lord taught his disciples to ask that God's kingdom would be established in their lives and that his will would be done in the same way that it is done in heaven. Now, which of us has completely given ourselves over to the will of God? So, how can any of us hope to walk close to God? So it seems that the Lord is encouraging his disciples to acknowledge their continual tendencies toward sin and to ask that God would forgive their sin in order that they might have a close relationship with their Father in heaven. Now to be forgiven in order to be close to God is a very good thing to pray for. But the Lord added a little caveat to the request. He said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That means... The granting of this forgiveness is dependent upon our willingness to forgive those who have offended us. Now this was such an important point that Matthew included the Lord's comments about the topic right after his account of the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Think of it. If a Christian asks God to forgive their sin, but is unwilling to forgive those who have offended him, then God absolutely will not grant forgiveness to bring them in close. He will, in effect, keep them at arm's length with regards to the relationship. So this is a very important point to remember. Having a close relationship with God not only means that we need forgiveness, but also that we must be willing to forgive those who have sinned against us. So if we do not hold grudges, then we can know, based on this segment of the prayer, that God wants to forgive our sin and draw us close. Why else would his son instruct us to pray for forgiveness? So we can know that God will grant this request. It is something that he wants us to pray, so that we will be forgiven, so that we can be close to him 